Well, if you want to turn to the book of Ephesians tonight, we're going to be in a little bit in chapter 2 and a a significant amount in chapter 4. You know, my wife back there, Christy, most of you know, uh, has four sisters. Uh, She's the oldest of four. Two of my wife's sisters, my sisters-in-law, married guys from countryside. Um, One of them, Mallory, uh, and her husband, Jonathan, are part of Foundations. One of them uh, has since moved to Tyler with her husband, Eric. Um, But her husband's brother is still here at Countryside and and his parents as well. And so whenever I see his brother, Alex, we have a fun time reflecting on the fact that he is my brother-in-law's brother. So we are practically family, uh, which is great. And um, my Mallory, my my, uh, other sister-in-law, uh, Jonathan, his twin brother, married, uh, got married this past Saturday, so I gained a brother-in-law's sister-in-law um, on Saturday. So I, uh, I now have a new uh, wonderful young lady who is my brother-in-law's sister-in-law, and I fully expect to spend time with her at our shared niece and nephew's birthday parties, and that's probably the extent of the family gatherings that we will be together at. Um, but the reality is that, you know, a brother-in-law law's sister-in-law is not all that close of a relationship. Uh, A brother-in-law's brother is not all that close of a relationship. But with each of those, I actually already had a much closer relationship with them than what I gained through those marriages, because each of them are uh, part of of the body of Christ. And we're going to talk tonight and think tonight about the priority of the relationships that we have with others in the body of Christ. You know, we sometimes probably think of others in the body of Christ as, yeah, we have a relationship with them, but it's kind of like those people that are like brother-in-law, sister-in-law. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we relate it in some way, um, but it's not a, a significant defining thing to us, and we need to, to recognize God's priority for the relationships that he has given us. You know, obviously this this fits into our larger study. We've been thinking about the direction of our life to love God and others, and then the details of our life, what it looks like to live consistently, making the most of our time according to how God instructs us to. And so we've been considering the priorities that should define us, and we, we talked um, at the end of last year about the priority of personal godliness, of spending time cultivating growth in Christ-likeness through the study of God's Word and through prayer and other disciplines. We, we talked last time about the priority of regular corporate worship, that we weren't made to, to grow in godliness on our own in isolation, although we do things on our own to grow in that, but we were meant to be a part of the assembly of the church And as Hebrews 10 told us, we're not to forsake our own assembling together as is the habit of some. And so we're to be actively engaged as the church gathers. You know, we're gathered tonight. We gather corporately on Sunday morning to to sing together and pray together, to encourage one another, to sit under the word of God together. And we're to be eager participants in that. As, as one author wrote, an aimless, careless, casual, routine habit of church going is neither rational nor reverent. We're not just to show up aimlessly and carelessly. Yeah, we do this regularly, but we're to be 
intentionally participating and, and engaging, but not simply in the regular corporate worship, but in relationship with one another. Um, actually, turn to, keep a finger in Ephesians, but turn to 1 John, which describes the fellowship that we enjoy with God through Christ. In fact, John, writing this letter, says that he is, is writing what they had seen and heard in verse 3, what they had witnessed. We proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He continues on that theme in verse 6. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. He, he's making the, the connection kind of like the, a, a wheel on a bicycle, that if you are a, uh, a spoke, you are connected to the center of that wheel. You're connected to God. You have fellowship with God through Christ. But if you are a Christian who has fellowship with God, you're not the only one who has fellowship with God. And therefore, because of that fellowship with God, you're also connected to every other spoke that's connected to him. You have fellowship with one another. And so John says, you can have fellowship with God, and because you have fellowship with God in Christ, you will also, therefore, have fellowship, a, a relationship of sharing in common with all the others who have fellowship with him. You see, we are connected to one another. All of those who are genuinely in Christ, having fellowship with God, have a relationship to one another. Ephesians describes that relationship. It gives us first there on your handout some descriptions of our relationship to others in the church. We alluded briefly to a couple of these, but if you look at Ephesians 2 verse 19, it says that for those who are now in Christ, verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens, particularly speaking of Jews and Gentiles who have been brought together, but all Christians, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Paul mixes some metaphors here as he's describing the relationships to others that we have in the church, he first points out that we are, A, they're citizens of the same kingdom. He says, we've come together, and now though we were not united before, we are now fellow citizens with the saints. We are now have the same allegiance to the same king. We are citizens together. But more than that, he says, you are of God's household. We are children in the same family, <laughs> We are now a part of God's household. If you're in Christ, you've been adopted by God. You are his child, but you're not an only child. You're part of a larger family, as am I. And so we now belong not only to the same kingdom, but to the same family. He uses the analogy also that we are blocks in the same building. We're being built up in, 
into the temple, the dwelling place of God in the spirit. We've been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the whole building is now growing and being fitted together. We are part of the same building. And then over in chapter four, he adds a a fourth analogy that we are part members of the same body. In verse 12, he says we are equipped for the building up of the body of Christ. In verse 15, he says, the head of this body is Christ. And verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by every joint supply, by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body. We're all members of one body. Yes, those are some vivid pictures of our relationship with each other in this room and with every other believer who is a part of our church or really any church. We are citizens of the same kingdom, children of the same family, part of the same building, members of one body. You guys, we are connected to one another, and that's the reality. It's not that we choose to be. It's not that we say, well, I'd like to be a part of the body with you, but maybe not with you. Can we have a couple different bodies? You know, maybe we could build two buildings. Um, No, it's we are all connected to and part of the same group of those who are God's people. Yes, that's a, a profound reality for us to think about. You know, we are, we are, have a, a closer relationship with other believers than even with our own, uh, own blood family, the scriptures teach, that, that be in Christ, we, those relationships may be severed, but these relationships will last in this life and, and the life to come. And because of the closeness of those relationships, we have certain responsibilities that we are to fulfill. Paul highlights here, secondly, the duties in our relationship with others in the church. And I don't use that word because I want you to think of dread in, um, you know, this is a duty we have to do. But I want you to think of it as these are responsibilities and things that we are, they're, they're not optional for us. As those who are connected to one another, we ought to be fulfilling these things. Paul describes first some of the duties regarding our attitude toward one another. If you pick up in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Part of that calling is we have been um, been, been brought to be a part of the same family and the same kingdom, the same building. And he says, you need to live like it. Live like you're connected to one another in how you think. Verse two describes that. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You guys, we are to have the right attitude towards every other believer recognizing we are part of the same body, we are part of the same family, we're connected to one another through Christ, and therefore we should treat each other that way. Just think of your own physical body. How, how wrong would it be for you to get frustrated with one part of your physical body when they're like part of you? You can't, you, you know, there's, there's no distinction 
You, you don't say, well, my hand didn't do so well in whatever I was just doing, so I'm going to take a hammer and smash it. I'll show them. No, you, you are patient and gracious because it's all one. You're, you're, you're the same. And Scripture says that's how we should think of others. We won't look at all the verses, but if you look at what the Bible says about our attitude towards one another, it uses phrases like love one another, be devoted to one another, give preference to one another, accept one another, show tolerance for one another, be kind to one another, regard one another as important, bear with one another, humble yourselves towards one another. That's the attitude we should have toward one another in light of what Christ has done for us and the relationship that we now have. We need to have the right attitude towards one another because we are one. But secondly, we, we need to have the right interaction with one another. This, it's not just our attitude where we say, okay, fine, <laughs> I, I'll love these people. I just don't want to spend any time with them. No, that's not, that's not how these things flesh out. We, we have the right, or we have certain duties regarding our interaction with one another. Some of that is simply intentionally spending time together. We talked about that last week. We're to gather together. We're to to be together because we are one. And so we should routinely be devoting ourselves to gather together. And we do that in formal ways when we worship together, but also we should be eager to spend time together in other, other venues, like the early church devoted themselves to fellowship. What did that look like? Well, they had things in, in common, were selling their goods so that they could meet the needs of one another, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were committed to say, we want to be together. And that's one of the joys of this group, and, and you guys are here being together. And that's, that's part of what is right for us, to say we want to spend time together. We want to interact with each other. But it's, it's not just being together, it's intentionally relating to one another. Not just, um, you know, having uh, a shallow conversations and relationships, but seeking to, to have significant spiritually focused relationships that sharpen one another. Again, I'll just give you a list of the things that the Bible says should characterize our relationship to one another. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, it speaks of admonishing one another when we're unruly, warning or, or coming alongside and giving people a kick in the pants a little bit, if you will. We, we're to encourage those who are faint-hearted or in need of that, to come alongside and give people a hug, to comfort them and, and console them. We're to help others, coming alongside and, and walking with them through life or through the challenges and struggles. Other verses speak of building up others, caring for one another, greeting one another, serving one another, comforting one another, spurring one another on to love and good deeds, confessing sin to one another, praying for one another, being hospitable to one another. Now certainly we can't all have that kind of interaction with every other person in the body of Christ, can we? I mean, no one in this room could know and interact with everyone in this room in that way, much less our entire church as a whole. But we all can and should have those kinds of relationships. It's not that we all can and should have them with everybody, but we all should have them and everyone should be a part of those kinds of relationships as we are intentionally relating to one another in those in those ways. 
we have a responsibility to welcome others into our lives in that way and to be that for one another as we intentionally interact. And, and then we have, have duties that Paul explains for us because we are related to one another in fellowship regarding our ministry to one another. Paul gets into this in chapter 4 where he continues in verse 7 and says, but to each one of us grace or a gift was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he says he's given gifts to each one in the body of Christ. Some of those gifts are in leadership, verse 11, which is given for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 16 mentioned how when every joint does its individual part, when we have the proper working of each individual part, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You see, every member of the body has a role to play, and God has gifted each one to participate in the body in a way that ultimately builds up the body to maturity in Christ. We, we won't take... Uh, the time to look at 1 Corinthians 12, but that's a f- chapter that fleshes out this idea of being members of the body and, and being gifted to function in that way. We, we don't all have the same role. <laughs> you know, if, if all of your body was an eye, you might think that's cool. I can see every different direction. But there would be a whole lot of things that you wouldn't be able to do. You know, if all of our body was a, a toe, you know, eh, we'd struggle with some things. But thankfully, our physical body has a diversity of, of members that work together, each one fulfilling the role that they play. And Paul says that's how it is in the spiritual body of Christ. Every member has a role to play to use their gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. Everyone. I mean, you know what it's like when one part of your body physically is not functioning well. My, my daughter, Abby, uh, was playing basketball and she sprained her ankle uh, a week and a half ago or so. And, you know, it's like, eh, it's just an ankle. You got a whole lot of the rest of your body that's doing just fine. Um, you know, come on, you can, you can keep doing stuff. But it's like, it's one part of the body, but it makes a big difference on how the whole body functions and the things that she can do. You take just one part that is not functioning well and the whole body suffers and so it is when one part of the body is not using their gifts and fulfilling the ministry that God has given them, the whole body suffers. Guys, we are to fulfill the responsibilities that God has given us to one another because we, we all suffer when we don't. When we don't have the right attitude towards each other, when we're not intentional in our interactions with each other, when we're not using the gifts that God has given us, the body as a whole does not function in the way that it ought to. But it's, it's easy to lose sight of that. It's easy to neglect those things. And, and we can do that for a number of reasons. Third, I want us to think together about the distractions from our relationships with others in the church. What is it that keeps us from having these kinds of relationships that are characterized by these kinds of attitudes and interactions and using our gifts. You know, one of the things that can sever these relationships is personal sin. You know, John alluded to this in 1 John 1 that if we are living in a clear 
pattern and practice of sin, walking in the darkness, he described it. It may be that we don't have fellowship with God, and therefore we don't have fellowship with others in the body of Christ. And so certainly our fellowship is not going to be what it ought to be. You know, but personal sin doesn't always uh, obviously indicate that we don't have fellowship with God. It may just break our fellowship with God. And because our fellowship with other believers is, is on account of our fellowship with God, our broken fellowship with God also affects our fellowship with others who are in Christ. And just practically, if we're living in, in a pattern of unconfessed sin, how excited are we to have this kind of relationship with others? I mean, we're not, if, if we're living how we ought not live, are we excited to get together with somebody and, and get to know them in a, a more intimate way and share the things that are joys and struggles and have them ask us questions about our life and them about theirs? No, we probably want to say, I want to act like everything's fine, which means I keep people kind of at arm's length. As if we have unconfessed sin that we are holding on to, it hinders us from having these kinds of relationships and making the most of them. Sometimes we can be distracted or hindered from these kinds of relationship because of, secondly, personal preferences. Now, it's interesting, Paul, in Ephesians 4, as he's describing these attitudes and describing this picture of the body working together and growing to maturity, he introduces that section um, in verse 4 by, by reminding us that there is one body, And one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He says, there's one. We we are one. We share this unity. But verse 3 says, we have to be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. We, We can sever that unity. And we can do that for in any number of ways. Sometimes that's uh, severed because of, of uh, um, the mishandling of doctrinal truth or things that deserve to have that unity severed. But oftentimes, it's purely over personal preferences when we focus on what is different about us rather than on what we chiefly have in common, namely Christ. And so issues of uh, economic or employment status, things that affect Maybe where we live or what kinds of activities we can do or the age and stage of our kids or what kinds of hobbies and interests we have, whether that's, uh, you know, um, different, different types of uh, or categories of things like more sports or more fine arts or music or what kind of sports or how we handle education, either homeschool or private or public or what district or, or what groups we're a part of, those things that our, our distinctions from one another can become more significant to us than what binds us together, namely Christ. You know, one of the beauties of the body is that we're different. <laughs> and that's a good thing, that we uh, don't all see everything exactly the same, but on the significant things we ought to, because there's one body, one Lord, one faith, 
We do need to be careful that those personal preferences don't distract us from building relationships with others in the body. Again, it's normal and natural that we might gravitate to or have relationships with those who share more of those things in common. Certainly, if, our, if your kids attend the same school as another family who's believers, you're going to see each other more and, and interact more, and that's, that's totally fine. But we do have to be careful that that's not the basis of our relationships with others, that it's chiefly the relationship that we share in Christ. So our personal sin can distract and hinder us from relationships with others, our personal preferences. A third thing is our personal priorities, how we choose to spend our time and energy. You know, whether that's a a focus on our job or making money in a way that consumes our time and limits involvement in church or with others, you know, whether that's a, a good thing, you know, even like our, our family or children can, can become such a focus for us that we are not building the relationships that we ought to with others. You know, there's a temptation to become child-centered in our thinking. One author in the book Gospel-Centered Families put it this way, he said, our children are not the center of the world. They're not the center of our world. They're not even the center of their world. The center of the world is God, and humans were made to give him glory. And the irony is that doing everything for our children's good is not for their good. They learn that they come first, that their needs are paramount, that the world is there for them. And and yet it's easy as parents to become so focused on all that's going on in our kids that we neglect other things that they need to, to be a part of and learn and see in those ways. Again, it doesn't mean we, we shouldn't be engaged with our kids and their activities or our job or other things. We just have to remember, as we're talking about, the priorities that God has given us and not neglect things that matter, like relationships with others in the body of Christ. Sometimes we can be distracted, fourthly, just by other personal challenges. You know, we're, many of, of us in this room are, are at an age and stage with, with younger children, which can be a challenge. You know, kids uh, get sick more. There's different challenges that come with all of those things that can hinder us. Sometimes it's the distance we have to travel to church or other physical challenges or things like that that we have to, uh, have to recognize and seek to make the most of. You know, if you go through a season where you have sick kids, you know, try alternating who comes to church so you still can build relationships. You know, uh, how, many, uh, how many dads could say to your wife, you know, honey, you go to church. I think we'll probably live for two hours. If not, we'll text you and, uh, you know, you can, you can come and, and rescue us. But, um, you know, we, we need to be thinking about how we can make the most of the situation and circumstances that we have to cultivate those things. So what does it look like for us to prioritize relationships with others in the church, to prioritize using our gifts to serve and spending time together in fellowship. Now, let me encourage you with, with four principles that then you can further discuss in your groups. One is to be proactive. Don't wait for others to initiate with you. You know, it's, it's easy to think, well, I love these kinds of relationships with people, and whenever somebody initiates it with me, I'll be ready. <laughs> and certainly that may happen. Um, but part of it is, is saying, we love these relationships with others. How do we proactively pursue them? Some of that is through things like you guys are doing tonight, intentionally availing yourself of opportunities to connect with others, especially times where we have people watching our children, uh, which is a blessing. So you can have intelligent adult conversation. 
Uh, but initiate and, and pursuing opportunities for getting together with others, for having uh, opportunities to, to serve and, and to grow. The second thing is to be, be creative. You know, it's not always easy. You know, uh, when you have kids, sometimes it's like, man, how do we, how do we get together with somebody? <laughs> you know, if we, if we try to go out to eat after church someplace where we could actually sit and talk, it will probably just show our need for sanctification because of how our children are going to be and how their children are going to be. And there will be little spiritual building up that takes place in that conversation. Well, we may, you may have to, to not just say, well, okay, so we can never do that. We can't get together with anybody. No, you may have to think more creatively and focus on what you can do, not what you can't. You know, the, the opportunities when your children are young are more limited than when your children are out of the home. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you still can't say, okay, there's, there's got to be some ways that we can do this. You may enjoy eating at places like Chick-fil-A that have a little cage you can put your kids in while you try to talk more, even though that's not the, the first choice of what that would look like, or, or spending time at, a, uh, uh, at your home more uh, when your kids can be napping and inviting people over who are more flexible in their schedule or other things. You know, third is to be intentional, you know, to seize opportunities, not just to wait around and say, I hope over time that we will develop and, and have opportunities for these kinds of relationships where we can um, benefit from and use our gifts to bless others, but looking for those opportunities. Obviously, when you have kids, that starts with when are the times our kids can be in something so that we can interact with others. <laughs> you know, again, foundations, great chance. Sunday morning, uh, you know, Join a Sunday school class or get involved in a ministry where, you know, if you've got younger kids, they can be cared for in that way. You know, using the opportunities that are available to us and trying to make the most of those and encouraging others to do the same. Maybe there's somebody in the church that you'd love to get together with and you can't figure out a way to do it, but you can tell them, hey, we could have a meal together on a Wednesday night at Foundations. <laughs> you know, we could get 25 minutes to sit and talk if, uh, if you'll come and join us for that and, and uh, be a part of that together. But be intentional when you do have opportunities. You know, asking someone their testimony, hearing what the Lord's doing in their life. You know, asking about things that are a, a particular joy or struggle in their walk with the Lord and in their marriage or parenting. Seeking to uh, get beyond the, the surface level shallow communication that is so easy to characterize our relationships and interactions. And then lastly, be sacrificial. You know, this isn't easy. It's easier just to float along in isolation and to kind of engage with people when it's convenient. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that there aren't legitimate times when we can't do some of these things as much as we want to. But to say we want to prioritize these things. We want to build relationships. We want to use our gifts. And, and interestingly, you know, I think one of the best ways to build relationships is in the context of using our gifts and serving together. You know, you may get time to, uh, to visit with some, some other ladies by sitting in the baby nursery and holding babies together on a Sunday morning or by, by serving in another context with others that you can, can both use your gifts and be a blessing to the congregation as a whole, but also can uh, build relationships and, and strengthen and encourage one another. Again, does it look the same for everybody? <laughs> no. 
You know, the body's different. The, the opportunities that we can take are different. The gifts that we have are different. But we all are to be committed to and prioritize relationships with others in the church. The church is to be a priority for us. Gathering together for corporate worship and learning and growing and being reminded that God is great and Christ is, is worth it and we're to live for him is key. But it's not just coming and being a part of that large gathering. It's then engaging and prioritizing relationships. Fellowship with others. Serving others in the, in the context of the church. I love Romans 12.10 which kind of summarizes this perspective. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. It, it reminds us we, we do and should have that brotherly love for one another. We are family. We're part of the same body. We're citizens of the same kingdom. We're blocks in the same building. We belong together and with one another. We have those relationships. Let's live like it. Let's be devoted to one another in those ways and make decisions about the use of our time that reflect that priority of relationships within the church. Again, I'm thankful that you guys are doing that, that you're here. That you've set aside time when you could be doing all kinds of other things to say we want to be in a context that gives us that opportunity. And, uh, and I hope that Foundations continues to be a blessing to that and a catalyst for more of that in your life and that you will continue to seize those things. Well, let's pray together and we'll give you some time to enjoy these relationships in your small groups. Lord, we're thankful that you have knit us together in your body, that we who are in Christ are all connected to Christ, the head, and, and then we each play a role in the body as you have designed. And Lord, we are family, and we, we do pray that you would forgive us for the times when we don't think of each other and treat each other with that level of commitment and love. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would spur us on to prioritize the relationships that are to be a central part of our life. Help us to have the right attitude and, and to intentionally interact with others in the church, to intentionally use our gifts to serve. And Lord, I thank you for the many in our church, in this room, who are seeking to do that. I pray they would continue to excel still more in that. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray that we would prioritize these relationships for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.